1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. And today we're talking about a very difficult topic, suicide, depression, and suicide. And, and actually, the holidays are often a very difficult time for individuals who have depression. Suicide particularly has been described as a death like no other. And I can tell you from a personal experience, it truly is. Death by suicide often is a stunner to family members and friends. It's soul-crushing, and it often leaves those individuals not just grieving, but confused. Why did it happen? What caused it? What could I have done? So today we have two experts with us to help us better understand what we should look for, and I'll introduce them in just a minute. Before we get to them, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of our statistics and why this is so very, very important for us to cover. Um, so death rates from homicide have actually dropped over the years since um, some rep- record keeping that's been ongoing in um, 2000. Um, The homicide rate steadily dropped from 2000 to 2015 and 2017. But what's happened is the suicide rate has risen over those same years. Um, Significantly, the suicide rate for males um, increased from about 17 per 100,000 to 21 and a half uh, per 100,000 and among females it rose to um, about four per 100,000 to six so at the start of the period men died by suicide as you can hear about four times the rate of women but the gaps closing and I want us to talk about that um As we move along, though, there are some other issues. Are there ethnic, cultural, racial differences in suicide? Um, What's going on? Why do we have the increase? So with all that said today... I want to introduce our two experts. We have two psychologists with us: Dr. Courtney Baggy, who is director of suicide research and director of the mood disorder clinic at UMMC, and Dr. Krista Lim, who is the director of the family and child and family health lab and assistant director for the pediatric wellness and weight clinic. Uh, so. We've got two great experts here to answer any questions that you might have about yourself, a friend, a family member, someone you care about, about the depression issues and the suicide and maybe how you can help. Or you can um, just email us either one. Give us a call at 1877 MPB ring. That's 1877672. 7464. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having Thank us. Thank you. Um, so today, what I thought maybe we could do is, is talk first about the suicide itself that it not only means there's a loss of life which of course is very significant but there's a profound effect on those left behind right Um, the very fact that this has happened um, asking why what happened how did you how did that happen we know Science supports a neurobiologic basis for mental illness. We've talked about this on this show over and over about depression and anxiety and the, the difficulties people feel. Sometimes the stigma, too. Um, and the unfortunate aspect of the fact that often physical illnesses like cardiac disease or diabetes get a lot of attention, a lot of sympathy, and many times mental health issues um, don't seem to get quite the same. Um, frustrating to me for what I do and in my business, but also I think frustrating to many who deal with it. And I know you both often deal with that and the, the fact that um, there's a stigma perhaps there. And I know that sometimes family and friends with suicide happens um, have great difficulty really talking about the fact that it was a suicide. Do you all see that in your practice often? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: I think people come who um, to our practices who are experiencing depression and maybe thinking about killing themselves, but also who have lost ones. Um, and do not know how to kind of move on with that and are afraid to talk about
2: it with other people. Yeah. So, Dr. Baggy, in your research, is there there's something that individuals should do? Um, if they think that there is someone around them that should be, that might be thinking about it, um, and maybe this is a good time early on, Dr. Lim and Baggy to talk about. I know, uh, Dr. Baggy predominantly works with adults. Dr. Lim predominantly works with uh, children. So we have experts on both sides, and. And uh, there may be some differences in what you see in teens and kids who are contemplating suicide and and, um, adults who are contemplating. Why don't, Dr. Baggy, you start first about um, some of those signs and symptoms in adults. And then, Dr. Lim, we'll come over to you to hear what kind of differences there might be.
3: Absolutely. Um, So with adults, um, there's a number of warning signs. And so we know who is more likely to attempt um, just in general, but these are signs that you might notice. So differences um, from your friend or your loved ones. And so what you're really looking for is changes within that person. Um, And so if something is, you know, emerges, or it has changed recently, Um, talking about being a burden on others. Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes back to your point about um, the loved ones lost, that a lot of times when people are suicidal, they feel like they are a burden on others, but actually the other individuals in their family do not feel that way and are actually very, very devastated when that happens. Um, And feeling hopeless or that you would have no purpose. And so if you hear someone talking about um, that they, you know, Don't think like things are going to change in the future. That should be a warning sign. Of course, the kind of the highest risk warning signs are talking about, um, you know, killing yourself. If someone Mm -hmm. says that they're thinking about killing yourself or that they're going to hurt or kill themselves or if they're actively looking for ways in order to
2: do that, so Mm -hmm. seeking means. Mm -hmm. Um, What about giving away their possessions, um, giving things to other individuals? Can that be a sign also?
3: It's definitely recommended um, to look out for that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, research that needs to be done, and right now we don't have a lot of good evidence, and Uh maybe it's because um, that it is something that um, isn't as frequent, but that is something definitely Mm -hmm. to, um, look out for giving away your possessions or making sure your kids are taken care of or having things in place for after your death. So, um, prepping your personal affairs. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I know my, my children. Um, I'm an older individual, and uh, I told our kids that we were um, working on our will, and they got all upset mm. about, we expect y'all to live a very, very long time. So for older individuals, or even young individuals who are setting up wills, that's not necessarily a sign, correct? Um,
3: no, but if someone is depressed and suddenly... And does that. <laughs> it,
2: right. (laughs) Then that would be a concern. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Dr. Lynn, tell us a little bit about the difference that you see in teens. What do they do differently than adults? So
4: I think some of the warning signs Dr. Baggy mentioned are very similar. Um, What I look out for in children and teens is um, the same kind of hopelessness or lack of maybe plans for what they want to do with their future. So feeling very much like they... Are um, not really planning to finish high school or have plans for after that, so that mm-hmm. kind of worries me a little bit when we have teenagers that um, that talk about those things. Also, a lot of times in adolescence, um, they're very they're more impulsive. Um, so if they're engaged in risky behaviors like um, substance use, drinking, or using recreational drugs, um, those would be things that would be additional warning signs. Um, And kind of similar to a warning sign for adults to maybe even access to more lethal means of hurting, harming yourself. So access to firearms or um, other weapons would be kind of something to watch out for, particularly when we talk about planning, maybe means or methods of attempting
2: a suicide that we try to look out for. So I know that um, when when individuals, when one feels, um, perhaps parents or a spouse or a close friend uh, sees an individual with some suggestions of suicide, suicidal ideation or other thoughts, isn't it a good idea to make sure that weapons are... Um, put away, locked up, that there's no access, certainly, to teens. I know I advise that when mm-hmm. I see a child with with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the same totally. thing certainly would pertain to adults, maybe be a little bit harder, more difficult to to prevent the access, right, Dr. Baggie?
3: Um, that's actually a something that I talk to my patients the first session and it is a requirement in my clinic. And usually people understand. So what we usually do, someone has firearms in the home, I'll talk with them about um, limiting the access. And so maybe they will store it. We always recommend storing it separately for the ammunition. And maybe their husband will hold a key, or maybe their son who doesn't live with them will hold the key. And it's just temporary. It's not about taking away people's access, you know, for hunting and things like that. It's just while they're depressed and while they're not. So it's not even just suicide. It's if they're feeling down. Because a lot of times people will have impulsive suicide attempts where it's not to say that they've never thought about it in their lives, but they just kind of make, you know, a a decision um, very, very quickly. And um, one thing I just wanted to highlight is that... um, Sometimes the things that I said for warning signs, um, those are feelings and it might be hard for other family members to see them. But what um, Dr. Lim was saying about increasing um, drinking, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that we recommend um, if you're depressed not to drink until that kind of relapse or having suicidal thoughts. It can actually make those kinds of thoughts and mood um, very, very worse. Um, Or if you see someone agitated Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, that is actually having more and more empirical evidence um, to something to watch out for. So just wanted to give some changes
2: in sleep, um, those kinds of things. Right. Well, why don't we go on to our first break, and when we come back, we have um, Molly from the Department of Health, who's called in, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about resources, and then we'll get back to signs and symptoms, questions to our listeners. Uh, Do you have any questions to our two experts today about um, maybe yourself, family or friends, what you should do? Do you see some signs and symptoms, or have you had an experience with suicide that you you like to share with us um, of a family member or friend and how it affected you we'll talk more also about how it affects family and friends when we come back this is Rel- relatively speaking please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 we'll be right back Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. Thanks for listening. Today we're talking about suicide prevention, depression during the holidays, what you can do about it. If you're feeling down or depressed, there's some things you can do. Also, if there's someone out there that you are concerned about or maybe yourself contemplating um, harming yourself, uh, there's help out there for you, and we hope that if you're listening and you have issues, that you will listen. You'll call in if you have questions, and let us help you. Um, you can give us a call at one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Okay, today we have Dr. Lim and Dr. Baggy with us in studio, and we also have Molly. Molly, good morning. Are you there? I am. Thank you for calling in. Molly's at the Mississippi Department of Health. Molly, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So, I am the
5: Suicide Prevention and Outreach Coordinator with the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. Um, so, you know, what we, what we do here is really try to raise awareness about exactly what you've talked about this morning, um, warning signs, what to look for, and really try to educate people um, about, you know, how to help someone who may be struggling with suicidal thoughts.
2: So you if someone is struggling, um, Molly, what would you what kind of resources can they go to through your Mississippi department of health sure. what what can they do?
5: Well, at the Department of Mental Health, um, we do have a couple of resources. Um, there is definitely help out there for people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts or may know someone who is, and one of those resources is uh, every person in our state has access to a community mental um, mental health mobile crisis response team. And these teams are made up, um, they have a a master's level therapist on staff, and they also have a peer support specialist on staff with those mobile crisis teams that is someone who has, maybe has struggled with suicidal thoughts themselves. Um, And those uh, teams are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And information for the um, mobile crisis team in, in your area can be found on our website which is dmh.ms.gov, and basically what they do is the goal of that is to really stabilize the situation, stabilize the crisis for the person, um, and hopefully try to avoid inpatient treatment or sometimes people who are experiencing crisis are inadvertently routed through the law enforcement system. So really try to get the person help um, immediately, stabilize the crisis, and then move forward from there.
2: Um, so Molly, if someone calls in mm-hmm. and um, they call in the helpline, um, but they they don't want to tell you where they are, mm-hmm. is there anything that can be done about that? Or
5: uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people. A lot of times, people don't want to, re- you know, reveal any type of um, personal information about themselves, and that's certainly understandable. Um, a couple of resources that we do have is our Department of Mental Health's helpline, um, and we take crisis calls all the time through the helpline. Um, and we have trained staff who answer that line and can provide some crisis support for the person to help defuse the situation. And often we find when we're when we're talking with someone who may be in a crisis, they really just want someone to listen to them mm-hmm. and and to provide some support. And maybe not every time, but oftentimes we can get the person to open up enough to where they're willing to have someone come out and meet them in the community, um, either at their home or at a local hospital or someplace to where they can provide some, have some face-to-face support. Um, there's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that's available. Um, and I can. I'll be glad to give you that number. Um,
2: we actually, yes. Go ahead and give it out. Sure. But we also will have um, these websites and the numbers posted online.
5: Great. So the Suicide Prevention Lifeline's phone number is one 8255 and that's another number that's available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and they're trained counselors that are available to listen and help a person through a situation. And oftentimes. Um, That call is actually routed locally, so you're talking to someone in your state who knows the resources available in your state, and so if you get to a point to where the person is is open to having someone help them face-to-face, we know what the resources are and can get them connected to them.
2: Great. Great information, Molly. Thanks so much for your call and giving out that information, and we will post that on our um, website. Uh, also. Thank you. So thanks so much and thanks for the good work that you all do. Thank you so
5: much.
2: All right. So listeners, when someone dies by suicide, you may know this, research shows that a lot of people are affected more than just that individual who dies. And I don't want to minimize the death, but research shows that at least six people are intimately traumatized by the death. Those might be immediate family members, relatives, neighbors, friends, students, co-workers. I will tell you that um, when the individual that I was very close to committed suicide, um, family and friends um, were so stunned and in such disarray. And I am not talking about for... A week or six weeks or a month or whatever I'm talking about for years it impacted um, family and friends for years and so I I think often one thing I read though um, with our two psychologists sitting here is often it also affects the mental health professionals and the clinicians um, and uh, so the The impact of the loss um, on the the impact on the survivors from the loss can be pretty profound and i 'm sure we have listeners out there who are struggling with that. And um, would like to hear from any of them if they're up to a call, uh, maybe to share and let other people know that um, they've dealt with this and how they have. Uh, you can give us a call at 1877 MPB Ring. That's 18776727464, or you can send an email to family at MPBonline.org. Um, yes, absolutely. You can be anonymous if you would uh, prefer that. We certainly understand that. Sometimes, like we said, sometimes um, there is that stigma. Um, if it's not the stigma, maybe you just don't want other people to 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 know about that. But please call in and share if you have something that you think might be helpful helpful to others. But um, Dr. Lim, let's talk a little bit about certainly when a parent loses a child, it's a terrible, horrible thing, um, no matter what the cause. Um, The impact of a suicide on a parent, I would think, would be um, just as profound as it could possibly get. Mm
4: -hmm. Right. So, you you know, losing a child by any way is... Hard enough, right, so having the stigma of losing a child by suicide um, you know is even harder for families to grieve and and, and cope with as well. Um, and so when I um, meet families that have had a death um, related to suicide, you know, really um, do the best I can to check in and make sure that um, parents and other people impacted are getting support and and talking about those feelings with a, with another professional. So a mental health counselor um, with, uh, you know, counseling at their church or wherever they feel most comfortable where they can get support um, for to help deal with all the, the feelings that they're going through um, to talk about the times they might have felt guilty or things that they wish they could have done differently, you know, helping um, talk about those things and being able to process that can be very helpful. It's never going to take the pain away or minimize what they've experienced. But it can be a good way to for them to share those feelings with somebody that that has professional training and and knowing how to handle those situations.
2: So there are support groups around the state for for these individuals who have lost children to suicide Mm -hmm. yes so I hope um, I know there are individuals out there who have I hope you've been able to access that and um on the information that we have on the website that we'll post we'll have that information too Uh, Dr. Mm -hmm, Lim if you'll give that to us so we can make sure sure we can access that um So men are more likely to commit suicide than women. We've already talked about that. Um, Why is that, Um, Doctor Baggy? Do you have some research that helps us understand that? Um, Why is that? I know we talked also early in the show about the fact that the the rate in women has increased, Mm -hmm. Um, and why is that?
3: Well. I don't have personal research on right. um, the gender disparity, but usually it's because of method. Mm-hmm. So um, men right now, I think it's 3.5 times more likely to kill themselves. Right. And they're most likely to use a firearm. Now, firearms, um, there have a higher potential for death.
2: For lethality, yeah. 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 And with
3: women, they're more likely to use poisonings. And um, something that I thought was interesting that I just found out if um, guns are used, um, there's a fatal outcome 78% to 90% of the time. So that really makes sense why men are more likely than to um, kill themselves. Yeah,
2: let's go on to the phones. We have Dean in Ocean Springs. Dean, thanks for calling.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you for talking about this topic this morning. Certainly. I had my brother committed suicide two years ago
2: oh, I'm so and sorry. Yes.
6: Um, it was a horrible incident and a horrible time for our family and I um, had moved down from another part of the state to be closer to him and to my family and he was having a lot of psychiatric problems and mm-hmm. was doing drugs and, and all, a number of things and he ultimately committed suicide, um, I was trying to get him help, and I was trying to actually have him committed, but it's a lot harder to have someone committed than you would think. Mm-hmm.
2: It is, so, and we, we may um, talk about that later, but yes, it's it's quite hard. Especially, I mean, when it's an d- adult, particularly.
6: Right, right. Um, what I wanted to say was that, you know, after an incident like that, and after something happens like that, you just go through such a wide range of emotions that you would never Expect that maybe you've never experienced in your life before, and um, first of all, there was just overwhelming shock at the violence of the way it happened, it like somebody ran a uh, a, a mat truck into you, and mm-hmm. you're overwhelmed with that, and then there's incredible sadness and grief that comes, and then you go through anger at the person. Oh yeah. For 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 doing it and then you go back to sadness and then you may go through it all again who knows but one thing that I found was that because of the fact that my brother had had been having so many problems for so long and had had been so much to deal with that there came a point a ways after he had passed that I felt this incredible relief that he was gone Mm. and it wasn't happiness that he was gone. I don't mean that by any means, or, or glad that he was dead, but was my not. brother. But there had been so much tension dealing with him over the years that there was this release and then, you know, you never knew when the phone rang what was going to happen or if he, if he was somewhere or what was happening, if you were going to pick him up from jail or if you were going on the streets to find him. So there was this release that came with his being gone and this peace and then you feel guilty
2: about that. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yes, all those ranges of emotion, and and I know um, when when I had my loss that I was talking about, um, I was so angry, so yeah. absolutely furious for a long time that that this wonderful, caring, loving individual would would. Take his life away and and leave the the ravages of what had happened um, to, to the rest of us. And I had a, I
6: had a lot of anger towards my parents mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. I mean, they weren't responsible for his death by any means, but I had a lot of you know childhood issues that came up. And just trust me when I tell you, you will experience every emotion that there is to experience that you may have never even thought you were capable of. I was never really a depressed person in my life but i i entered a depth of sadness and depression that it just incapacitated me for a while yeah and the yeah. only reason i was able to get through all that i mean i had good friends and i had family and and certainly my my faith was something that if i didn't have i, I just don't think i would have survived but i came to terms with it by finally realizing that my brother was in a place and at peace that he would have never, never been able to achieve
7: here yeah, yeah.
6: on Earth because his psychiatric issues were so, so strong and his, his drug addiction and all that. So I was able to finally release that by knowing that he was at peace that he could not achieve here. And, and, and that's I'm not th- certainly not advocating that's a solution for anybody, but
2: sure.
6: as a way of acceptance, you know, Yeah, I I can be terms with it that way.
2: Yeah. Well, Dean, after the fact, you have to um, rotate around and get through the grief process. And it sounds like that's how you were able to get your resolution. You're you're right. So what we're hoping today is that what we can do is, um, you know, when you when you confound depression, Um, or anxiety, or whatever it is with drug, substance abuse, um, it makes it even harder. But there's hope for that, too. And so anybody who feels like you're out there um, having difficulties, struggling with that, um, certainly let yourself be helped. Dean, it sounds like you tried very hard to help your brother. Moving closer is, is a huge step of trying to add in support. So... Um, We appreciate you sharing with us and talking about that grief process. That's tough and it's pretty typical, wouldn't you say, mm-hmm. Dr. Winn? Yeah,
4: I would say it's pretty, you know, it's grief is, uh, runs the gamut when we have any type of death, and when you have mm-hmm. a death by suicide on top of it, I think it just kind of escalates the severity and kind of how often we might go through certain cycles related to the grief process.
2: Right, right. Um,
4: it's definitely, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, definitely a tough thing to deal with.
2: So the hope is that individuals uh, we can get to sooner, perhaps, um, so that they won't end up like Dean's brother. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We do have a question from another caller. Gabriella on the Gulf Coast also. Thanks for calling in. You've got a question about the support.
7: Well first I gotta say, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, call. I mean, I'm sorry, but the depth of honesty was um
2: we're kind of overcoming. Um it is. You're absolutely right, Gabriella. And and the the fact that he was able tells me that he was able to call in, talk about it, and be honest enough to let other people know um, what it does to others. The impact of the suicide is was an important call, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am.
7: Um, my um, my actual question is. How do I support a friend of mine who, his, it was his mother, firearms, and um, he and all of them, his mother, they were all, um, and are um, uh, mental health professionals. Mm. My question directly is, what do I not say? What can I
2: do that's going to be the best. Oh gosh, Gabriella, good questions. And you sound like you're really struggling. Um stay stay on with us. Doctor Baggy, do you want to start with um, sure. that answer?
3: Well, Gabriella, I think the first thing is to be there for her. Is this a, a her or a him or a him. A him. Um and it sounds like that's what you are—you're trying to do. And so, listening non-judgmentally, I think, is really important, and just really being present when that person is talking. Um, and then he also, won't is, talk.
7: He won't talk much. Okay. Okay. And and that. Well, as I say, he's he's got all the training. He has advanced degrees. Yeah. They can be the
3: hardest
2: patient sometimes, huh? I was going I to say that very thing. I think so many times when individuals in the mental health profession have an incident like this happen to them, um, the emotion of of maybe even feeling more guilty Mm -hmm. because gosh here i am the professional and how in the world could i have let this happen um maybe you know knowing that sometimes it does no matter what you do um but uh, i would imagine that is bubbling up so when you have somebody who's not talking Mm -hmm. um to you um I know sometimes, Gabriella, just sitting there, being next to them and and letting them know. Um, not probably a good idea to pry very much. Um, would you talk a little no, about I, that? I've never cried with him. No, uh, no. I, crying? What I, 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 no.
7: What I've tried to do with him is to um, remember the times when um, we've been friends for uh, many decades, um, since college years. And uh, what I've tried to do with him that I thought would be helpful, and I, that's I guess my question um, is to remember the times because I met his mother. I did not know her extremely well, but I knew her well enough that I would ask him questions and say, "Well, you know, what did you think about you know when this happened in your mom's life, and when you know when your your young childhood life, and you know try to get him to." I said he didn't talk, but he actually did open up mm-hmm. some with some of those things and and, and talk about um, difficulties in childhood and things. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's, Gabriella, that is great. And um, both of our doctors are nodding um, <laughs> as you are talking, saying, absolutely, that's the right thing to do. I did not, I said pry, not cry, because I personally believe and I want to hear what our psychologists think here that you know if you're sad too with him it's okay to cry it's okay for him to see that you're grieving too you're grieving for her you're grieving for him would y'all agree with that Yeah, absolutely I would, I
4: would certainly agree with that and especially in a case where someone might not be as forthcoming with maybe the, their emotions and feelings about the situation or wanting to talk as much as even just letting them know I'm here for you when you are ready Exactly. Um, and to limit the prying that might, um, you know, prying in a way when they're not really ready to go there Mm -hmm. yet. But just being supportive and letting them know I'm here, whatever you are ready to talk about your feelings and um, thoughts about the situation. Mm -hmm. right? And making sure that they get out of the house. I mean, I think that...
3: Um, is one of the things people when they get depressed or sad, we like to hide. And so Mm. making sure that they get out of the house and um, doing activities. And I love the idea if he was open to talking about positives and good memories. I mean, that's a whole treatment in and of itself Yeah, um, Yeah. is kind of going over pictures. And if that's something that you found that, you know, that he really enjoyed and and, in talking about that, um, and maybe asking if he's thinking about seeing someone and getting evaluated um, to kind of process this with a mental health professional. Um, I know that he is one, but it it could be very helpful um, to just let him know that there are resources and that, you know, you're worried about him. And then if he mm. wants to talk with you, he can. Yeah, as
2: a mental health professional, um, he knows the benefits of counseling, and I know he knows that. Sometimes I find it interesting, though, many times um, even a mental health professional will view it as a sign of weakness if you can't fix yourself. But that's not what you're supposed to do, not from a medical standpoint nor from a psychological standpoint. So that's great advice to encourage him to seek help if he needs somebody besides you Gabriella to um, talk to so um, thanks so much for your call I hope I hope that helps some. okay we're going to take another break Um, we are talking about suicide prevention depression during the holidays how you can help maybe how it's impacted you give us a call we we'd love for you to share with us or ask your questions 1 1877 MPB ring. that's 1 18776727464. you can send an email to family at mpBonline.org. This is relatively speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and we'll be right back.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: Welcome back. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and we are talking about a tough topic uh, suicide, but what we really want to talk about is suicide prevention, recovery, what it does to the family, and hopefully how maybe we can help prevent it. Uh, we've had two great callers, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, during the break, um, Dr. Baggy and Lynn had a, a point that we wanted to make sure everybody heard. So, Dr. Baggy, I'll turn it over to you right now. Okay. So if you
3: are worried about someone, I think that it would be best to ask them um, if they're thinking about killing themselves. Um, you can even start with something um, like, do you ever feel like, gosh, with all the struggles that you're going through that you just don't want to be here right now? And if they say yes to those things, it's really opening up a conversation. And what I think most people, even most mental he- or most health professionals, they think by asking about it, that's going to plant the idea and there's Absolutely not a shred of evidence that they're actually, um, the research suggests that by asking about it, you actually decrease um, the risk um, for people that are thinking about it and the people that aren't thinking about don't mind. And so, um, that's something that I really encourage. And if they do say that they're thinking about them, don't just recommend treatment. Help them. Like when you're very depressed, it's, um, very hard to kind of find your insurance card and figure out where to go. Help them make that appointment. Do that with them. Help them call the crisis line. Um, and the crisis line is not just for suicide. It's also, um, for those lower moments when you're really distressed. Mm -hmm. Um, we want people to call and not just think that it has to be at those kind
2: of pinnacle moments. Right. Dr. Lynn?
4: Yeah, I agree totally with what Dr. Baggy um, has said. I think with children and adolescents, there's also no evidence that I'm aware of that asking questions about um, like not wanting to be here or kind of wishing that, you know, you didn't wake up in the morning. Those might be some, some other ways to ask an adolescent about um, thoughts related to, to death or, or suicide. Um, so you know, being upfront and asking them about that, I think can be really important for parents, for, you know, other caregivers that they. Um, and experience. it doesn't
2: increase the rate it of suicide. It, in fact, it can it can be that interventional moment. Right. right? It yes. actually de- yeah. decreases decreases, it. It. decreases distress, de- right. decreases distress by asking it. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, let's go back to the phones. We have an anonymous caller on the Gulf Coast with a comment. Thank you for calling. Um, what do you have to share with us?
0: Uh, good afternoon. Yes, uh, Doctor Buttress. I wanted to thank you <clears throat> for your program and f-
2: for sh- for sharing. Uh,
0: uh-
2: It's a um, tough—we're here. We're We're listening. I
0: want to thank you for the program. It's been most enlightening. And as a mother who had received uh, that unfortunate news of that type of thing, not at Christmas Mm. but at other times, um, for two sons that um, I I thoroughly uh, understand how people can get a little down—
2: Oh, my goodness, yes. I'm so sorry for your loss. I
0: just want to remind them and uh, others who may have this kind of um, downtime that uh, God's mercies are new every morning. And we're to look forward to his return uh, to collect all of his children. So uh, please know that the sun comes up every day and there's a shine and help make your own light a shine in the world. Thank you very
2: much. That's beautiful Mm -hmm. information. Thank you so much for your call. And
0: Uh, and could you give that crisis line number again, please? Yes.
2: um, Crystal, Dr. Lim, is going to give that for us right now. The
4: National Suicide Prevention Mm Lifeline is one 800 273 8255, which spelled the last four spell out talk. Okay. And it's also suicide prevention um,
2: on lifeline.org is the website. And again, we'll have that posted on our website. So... Um, that will be available. The other thing you can do is um, if if there's anybody out there who wants to give that number out and for any reason has difficulty, just, just Google, do a search um, of whatever your search engine is on um, suicide prevention, and you can find it there, too. Yeah. So... Um, Thank you for calling. I know it was a very difficult call, and I know that I cannot imagine the struggles that you've gone through. Um,
0: well, and, um, uh, another couple has just recently uh, lost two of theirs. It was not by, by that same means, but they've <laughs> lost two sons in one month and, oh, goodness, uh, here on that. the coast, and it's very, very difficult yeah. for them, I'm so, sure. So
2: I cannot imagine. So.
0: <coughs> yes, okay, thank you. God bless you. Have thank you a, a thank
2: God bless Christmas. you, you too. thank you so much for your call. um you know, as I was looking at the statistics um around Mississippi, the Gulf Coast um does have a higher rate of um suicide um I, I want to speak just for a minute or so. ask you two to speak to this when one suicide happens. Does it seem to increase the rate? Sometimes we see that, um, especially, maybe not especially in the teen area, but in teens it does seem that when that happens and it almost seems like, oh, well, that's what I can do. Life is so miserable, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Is that, Dr. Lim, do you want to talk Yeah, I mean,
4: I think we certainly see that happen in in adolescents. I know recently there was uh, an incident – not, I don't, not in Mississippi, but I remember hearing about it nationally in California, mm-hmm. they had pockets of of that that happened. So certainly, um, not that it becomes more acceptable, um, but people become more aware of it. And so adolescents might be particularly vulnerable to knowing right. other people that um, that commit suicide. Um, but we also know that we see it also in families. So um, knowing a, f- a family member or relative or friend that has also committed suicide also puts people at greater risk. At greater risk. So we know first I don't think we know the research doesn't really we don't know exactly why it puts us people more at risk. But um It is something that we ask that clinicians, mental health Mm -hmm. professionals ask about um, because it is an additional risk factor we consider in terms of determining kind of risk for suicide.
2: And certainly um, there is a much, much higher rate of, of mental health disorders in individuals who commit suicide. I read one number that said upwards of 90% mm-hmm. will be struggling with something, whether it's severe chronic anxiety or severe um, depression. But, but also I know there's a higher rate in individuals with severe chronic pain. Yeah. And and, um, mm-hmm. difficulties with that. So I, I, um, I have often, I, I know in the two instances that were close to me where individuals committed suicide, they had had a family member who had uh, previous to that. So um, that I I would imagine that puts you at significantly higher risk.
3: Yes. So um, there is also a genetic component Mm -hmm. um, with Mm -hmm. suicide. It can run in families. Again, we don't know um, if it's because of we don't really know what the mechanism necessarily Mm -hmm. is, but they have isolated some genetics um, as far more of a biological aspect. Um, but we see that contagion with adults. When Robin William um, right. when he died, right. um, there was a kind of a, a, f- a kick up of a, the suicide. Flurry of and I think a lot yeah. of times people, um, you know, there's actually very strict media guidelines about talking about someone who's killed themselves for that reason. Because I think a lot of times people will see that um, they they were you know, celebrated afterwards Mm, and um, it's more glamorized. And that's not they're not highlighting what you just talked about, about the people left behind that. Um, I just want to emphasize people always think that they're going to be a burden and it's not that it's the families like I wish I could
2: have taken that away the burden is leaving your loved ones um, without you that is the burden so I hope everyone is hearing this and knowing that there's support out there there's help out there I really appreciate both of you for coming in Dr. Baggy and Dr. Lim and I, I want to especially send out appreciation to our three callers who had the courage to call in and to share their experiences with us so that others know how hurtful it is, how difficult it is, and how much we need to get the message out to help others who are in need. Um... Uh, again, thanks listeners, thanks callers. Um, this was a, a great show. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for relatively speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPRs here now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.